Hello innovators and explorers, welcome to another episode of the Web 3.0 podcast. I'm your host Sam Kamani, I am an Amazon best-selling author and a tech startup founder. I'm here to take you on a journey to explore this new land of Web 3.0 which is filled with opportunities that can help you build generational wealth. For today's episode of the Web3 with Sam Kamani podcast, I am interviewing Matt Samaglia. Matt is the CEO and co-founder of Third Summit, whose flagship platform Altion is an ecosystem for production professionals that simplifies cloud-based workflows, asset management, and remote collaboration. Matt is also an expert in cutting-edge and Web3 technologies with more than two decades of experience. In today's wide-ranging discussion, we talk about things such as where is Web3 going? How is Altion disrupting the video production process? What NFT ecosystems Matt is bullish about? and insights about building a marketplace, how to innovate, and building a sustainable Web3 company. So without further ado, let's get into it. Matt, it's great to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to talking with you. For for our listeners, can you please describe a bit about your journey? How did you get started with Altion and and what are you um, up to these days? Yeah, I mean, I think that the journey really starts about 20 years ago when I was just graduating college. I, I graduated pretty young and needed a job. And I was applying for positions at various news stations and production companies. And I always had a strong knowledge and base for what I was doing in the industry. And I felt like the position that I was being offered wasn't really the position that I knew I had the skill set for. And after getting either rejected or getting offers as an intern, I decided to turn to just starting my own company and, you know, as one does when they're 20 years old. And I, I looked at it from the perspective of, hey, I really need to uh, focus on what I'm really good at. And I know that I was capable of so much more. And ironically, I, you know, I had a lot of time on my hands those days. And I, I ended up applying for some work through uh, a government offering that was out there and ended up getting a, a pretty substantial contract, which really gave me a launching point to have funds to start my business. And it was, you know, so cleverly named my, my last name, Samaglia, and, and I called the company Samaglia Productions. And so the, the company really grew pretty immediately. I was very fortunate. I remember even my first office, I, I walked in one day to say, hey, I'm, I want to lease the space. And they thought that I was just an intern coming in and, you know, didn't really fully take me seriously until I said, no, I actually really am. You know, I'm the guy that's coming in to, to lease this office space. And it was on the back lot at Universal Studios in Orlando. And I did this with a couple other friends of mine that were also looking to build an office space at the time. And, and it was great because I had the latest, greatest technology. You know, I remember even thinking about now we were super quote unquote advanced at that time because we were able to edit high depth and, and that was a huge deal. And, you know, we're talking 2002, circa 2002. And, and, and what was so cool about that is we ended up getting uh, universal as a client pretty quickly. And, you know, that then snowballed into getting other clients and so on and so on. And then I personally got contracted by NBC network to edit for the today show. And, and it was kind of this dream come true at the time because I was super young and I wasn't really sure, do I want to run a company? Do I want to go work for a bigger company? And, you know, I sort of went back and forth and I ended up doing both for a number of years. 
And in my mid twenties, I was super burnt out. I was traveling around, you know, the country, if not the world for, for the network, still running my own company at the same time. And, um, and, you know, it gave me a, a lot of perspective at that time period on how to manage a remote team, how to work with people in a remote manner, and also leverage whatever the latest technology of that time was, um, in order to, to build content, right? Storytelling is storytelling. And as content producers, we always wanted to tell the best story. So it didn't really matter what tool we had to do that, but we wanted to tell a really great story, especially for our clients at the time. And again, being sort of geeky and, and having a really strong understanding of technology, I was always pushing the limits of what we were able to do as a company then. And so throughout those years, you know, I, I ended up getting to a point where I, I repositioned the company in Chicago. So went from Orlando to Chicago and uh, still had a little bit of base in Florida and really scaled the company. And I remember even then, you know, I, I, I got an office space and then thinking, you know, wow, this is, this is exactly what I need for today. And within a month or two, I got so many clients that I had to double that office space. And then within a year I had to double that office space. And it was just this constant, you know, year after year growth. And the company subsequently got, you know, pretty big for, for the type of work that we were doing. But there was always this underlining aspect of either not having access to tools that we wished we had access to. For example, we knew the big enterprise that was out there or the big studios or NBC, for instance, were using specific types of technology that cost millions of dollars or it needed teams of people to support. And so this was a common theme that kept kind of occurring. And, uh, you know, we always wished we had access to these tools, but it just, it just wasn't there and it, it wasn't accessible to us. So fast forward uh, several years later, I, I, I had run the company for about 15, 16 years at this point and was able to really exit. And, you know, I think, I think you, you sort of shared a little bit of a similar story of yourself, you know, getting a little bit burnt out at a time period, yes. but also, also having a, a shift in, you know, what your status was or, your, or, or the time period that you were in. And that, that happened to me, you know, I was very fortunate in my early thirties to have, you know, for, for, uh, for a, a, a sort of quick way of saying it, you know, I had an exit from, yeah. from my company and, and it was, it was, it was pretty successfully done in the sense of it took about nine months to orchestrate where we were winding down different projects with clients or selling off pieces of business or selling off pieces of technology to the degree that it finally afforded me this time of being able to fully exit out of that business successfully and figure out what my next chapter was going to be. And, you know, it's very cliche to say, but, you know, oftentimes it takes taking all the bricks down one by one to then rebuild something bigger. Yeah. And I really feel like that time period of my life, you know, that's what, that's what happened for me. And, and, you know, I was looking at the companies that were out there, some startups I was, I was consulting for or advising, I was doing some investing and I was called into a meeting, which was very serendipitous about four years ago. And it was somebody that I had sat on a board with prior. And she, she said, look, you know, we, we are trying to innovate our company and, you know, we have three, 4,000 employees and we're globally recognized and, you know, we have offices everywhere but we're not innovating and we're kind of stuck in our ways. And, and, you know, at one point we were innovative, but that stopped over time. And that happens with so many companies. And I'm sure you've seen this happen as well, where people just kind of get stuck in their ways. They were really, really, you know, 
onto something at one point and then just stopped. Absolutely. Absolutely. It reminds me of the book Innovator's uh, Dilemma or Innovator's Dilemma by yeah. Like Christensen. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. No, it's a great book, right? It, it, it yeah. totally happens. And yes. And I, I think that that happens even in the advertising world. Like you typically see three years, maybe five, if you're really good, yeah. where a brand will stay with their advertising company. And it's not because they're, they're a bad company sometimes. It's because they just couldn't innovate anymore. Yeah. Very, very true. Yes. And yeah. So, and then, so moving to, to Altion, how did you use, tell me a bit about, about Altion and what, yeah, um, so what Altion does now. What was really cool about that time period when I was consulting is I was with this company for about six months and subsequently, you know, gave them my innovation plan, if you will. Yeah. And they looked at it and they said, we, we really do like the plan. It's, it's spot on. It, it says all the things that we need to say and do and, you know, all the challenges we've been facing, but we can't do it. And here are the reasons why. And it was, it was just so heartbreaking for me because I was really excited at the time period to see this plan come to action. And uh, so I ended up, you know, I, I ended my uh, contract with them, which, you know, it was up at that time period. Anyway, I had delivered the piece of work that I was hired to do. Everyone was happy. And I sat on it for a couple of months and a friend of mine that's, that's very influential in, in the finance industry uh, and, and I were talking about this and he was like, you know, like you really need to make this as a business. And that's, that's what subsequently became the thesis behind what I'm building at Altion. And there's a, there's a whole ecosystem at play here. But when you, when you look at it, we are taking a lot of the enterprise tool that exists out there for millions of dollars for very large corporations or studios or um, brands, if you will, and making it accessible to everyone. And, and I think that that's a real shift that we're seeing in a lot of different industries as a whole. There's a lot of great companies in the video world that have done it. We're able to talk via video today because a SaaS company came up with a mechanism for us to be able to chat around the world, uh, absolutely each other in video where when I was working with NBC, it was a team of people that would come in with a whole satellite kit and we would have to, you know, beam up to space on a satellite where it would then come down to somewhere in 30 rock in New York. And then somebody could see that. And it cost tens of thousands of dollars, you know, an yeah. hour, if not a minute to operate. And, yeah. you know, we're doing this for free over, over the internet. So yeah, or nearly free, just zoom. It's, but you know, even if zoom charged me three times, I would, because last two years, I haven't spent anything on going to conferences, summits, everything all around the world, traveling around, taking long haul flights, but it's great. You know, I've been able to connect with so many people all around the world and build lasting relationships, business relationships, personal relationships, and made new, make new friends all from the comfort of my home or our home office and all that. So, yeah. And, and so you're seeing that shift happen, right? And a lot of the production industry, a lot of brands, a lot of companies are now starting to use independent creators or, you know, Netflix is a great example. Netflix doesn't necessarily produce shows for Netflix. They actually acquire a lot of content from smaller studios or smaller production companies that exist out there. Yet those companies don't have the same tools that Netflix would have access to, right? Yes. And so when you think about this, this shift in where we're going in the world right now, we are very much so at the forefront of supporting independent content creators. You had mentioned to me at the beginning of, of us talking that, you know, you have some editors that you work with that produce yes. video for you. Um, 
you guys are probably using a multitude of services in order to the that video. Yeah, at least three or four different softwares. So that's common. Yeah, Figma, then Canva, then Filmora Wondershare. I mean, that, then there's like two to three other editing softwares. And if mm-hmm. then we need something 3D, then we've got a designer that can create in Maya and so much. <laughs> and, and that's why it's taking um, a lot longer. But then I, that's why I want to create the content, have it all ready to go, like at least have 50 videos ready to go. So then every few days, a video can be uploaded to YouTube. Otherwise, what people often do is, they upload once and then they stop because then it is too hard and it happens. It happens in the podcasting world. I'll share a random um, stat about podcasting is that 25% of all podcasts have only one episode because by the time they do one episode, they realize it is so much work editing, liaising with the guests and all sorts of things and creating that content. About 99% of the podcasts have 20 episodes or less in the world. So once you reach over 20, you're top 1% of the podcast. It is absolutely um, mind-boggling, the stats. But but that's, that's as you say, it is still challenging a lot of the things to do with with editing and content creation. Yeah, so we're simplifying that. And that's what the main mission of Altion is. And it's a tool that if you were a major enterprise customer, this is the tool that you would typically be paying millions of dollars for. We're built on the same backend as some of the most well-known studios in the world. And we've taken that backbone and we've added a layer on top of it to create a true multi-tenant SaaS solution so that you as an independent creator can have and know Uh, that you're working on literally the same technology that some of the biggest studios in the world are using. And also when it comes to content collaboration, where you might be in one location, your editor might be in one location, a sound editor might be in one location, everyone's scattered. And if we've seen anything in the last two years, you know, the pandemic really restricted a lot of people from going into an office or having access to content. So they were sitting idle for many months at a time. And Having all of that content available in a cloud-like platform that's easily searchable, that's easily be able to manage, easily archived, so you can you know pull from your archive in the future. You know, if you and I, when we when we talk in two months from now, you can pull from that archive and say, "Oh, that was so easy that you know I knew exactly where Matt's clip was because I had these meta tags on it." That's what Altium really helps do. And then from a publishing perspective, you know, when when you're talking about the challenges that a lot of podcasts have. You know, even just sending your message out, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or now, you know, Web3, which is which is, you know, the sort of hot topic of today. It takes time because you have to log into a platform. You have to copy and paste your message. You have to upload the file and then you have to hit publish. And what we're doing at Altion is we're building a publishing tool where really you would have that piece of content stored in the cloud one time. You would check all the boxes of where you want it distributed. You hit publish and out it goes and it's properly formatted for whatever that particular um, platform is that you're publishing to. And when it comes to Web3, you know, this is an area where I, I think is such an interesting arena right now because we're seeing so many ships. I mean, you joked before that it's not the the 30-day startup anymore. It's the three-day startup in Web3 it is. now. Absolutely, and- yeah. Because you build on other people's things. So uh, people build and you just connect on there. So you no longer, you know, you have to build the whole profile, login, all those things. You just connect to to MetaMask and you just connect with lots of different services through APIs and and off you go. And you can do so much more now with no code or low code. So people where they were restricted because 
really good developers are super expensive and they're super in demand. Now you can do so many things yourself. If you are even like a little bit technical, you don't need a, you know, a bachelor's degree and four years or eight years of experience and all that. N none of that is needed anymore. So, yeah. I think that, I think that if you look back at history though, statistically, a lot of people that don't build a company with a proper plan or a sustainable model. Yes. Those are the companies that kind of go bust, right? So anyone in the world right now can go and say, well, I'm going to become a NFT publisher or, oh, I'm going to become a whatever. Right. Yes. And I do agree with a lot of the no code or low code platforms out there because I, I feel like it is getting technology in the hands of a lot of people. Right. Yes. But the problem that's, that's really scary there is it's, it's somewhat diluting the marketplace, right? Because oh, absolutely. You have, then you have competition and then you have to get better at storytelling and marketing and sales and all those other things that these people haven't had that experience. So then you need all those things. And the biggest thing in Web3, the difference is community building. So only the products that have a good community behind them succeed. You could have NFTs, you can have the best art for your NFT. You could have the best utility that, it, you know, you can connect with someone, celebrity or sports star. It won't matter unless you have a community. If that sports star or celebrity has a community that they can tap into, that's great. If not, then you're, you're stuck. And and same thing. So if Web3, it's community first, product later on, technology even later on after that. So that's the yeah, change I have and, seen. And, I, and, and sustainable business plan, I think. You know, yes. it's like you, can, you can't build a community without a sustainable business plan because you need to be able yes. to, you know, withstand some time. So one of the best analogies I got this morning from one of our advisors is the fact when you look at like, you know, the, the famous gold rushes that happened, you know, 100 or 200 years ago, yes. you know, people fled into these towns and, you know, people were making all kinds of money in the towns. But then when the gold mine went empty, you know, or went dry, the towns just completely went, you know, belly up and they, they deteriorated yeah. and they, they ceased to exist. And all these people, you know, did yeah, the ruins of those towns all around the world, whether it's all South Africa or Australia, New Zealand, US, uh, West Coast of US. I've seen those then, and, and they're the like company? a tourist attraction, just like a ruin, but not, not the previous glory of the town. Yeah. But think about the companies that created the support mechanism for the gold miners, you know, the pick and axe companies, right? Those were the companies that said, okay, you guys are over in this town today. No problem. We'll supply all your picks and axes, but we know that tomorrow you're going to go to another town. We'll supply you those picks and axes as well. Right. Absolutely. And that's how, and that's how we look at it is we really want creators to look at us as a tool that even if the world changes around us, your content still needs to be stored somewhere. And you want a secure place to store that content. And you want to know that that company is evolving in such a way that it's going to benefit you in the long term so that you don't have to go log into this platform to do one thing and then exit and then log into another company and then exit and then log into another company yeah. and exit. And that's why we have such strong partnerships with IBM or Teradek or, you know, Vitispine. And, and these are companies that, you know, we've formed really strong partnerships with over the last couple of years as we've been building Altion, because again, these are very reputable enterprise style companies that we wanted to, to really have a, a close relationship with, you know, Adobe is another one that we have a close relationship with. We have a, a panel that was built out for Premiere so that if you were an editor, you can have access to all of your content that's stored in the cloud, right in your editing platform. And then from there, sync that back up to the cloud for somebody to then go publish out to any distributed source or destination that they want to. 
Oh, that's very cool. That's very, very cool. So just um, going back to the sort of the Web3 and blockchain and, and um, DeFi, and, and I, I see that you have a lot of interest in that. Where do you see that going or how do you see that interacting with, with Ultion? Are we talking about today or are we talking about tomorrow? Uh, both, <laughs> both. First, no, today, first today and then tomorrow. Or how do you see that as the future? Like, where, where do you see it going? No, you know, I, I think that when we, when we as a whole look at that space, right, there is, I mean, we've, we've joked about it several times on this, on this, you know, sort of discussion, but, you know, when, when we really think about where the, the internet has gone in the last decade or in the last two decades, right, it has, it has become something that wasn't what it was at that time, right? When you, when you look at trying to read um, a newspaper clipping back in the early 1990s, it just wasn't a great experience. Like it, we weren't really thinking in that time period, oh, I'm going to read a lot of news on my computer, right? Well, I have a phone now and I read the news exclusively on that phone. You know, that's what I do all yeah. day, all night. And again, in, in the early 90s, we weren't thinking at that time period, oh, I'm going to be reading on my phone. And, you know, that's how the internet has shifted in, in such a massive way. And I think that what we're looking at today in terms of where Web3 is, it's still in its very early stages. And I love what it stands for because it, it stands for change. It stands for supporting creators. It stands for really supporting people that um, care about what they're putting out there. And, and, you know, it's taking away some of that control that I feel like has been exploited over the last decade, if you will, when we're looking at more of Web 2.0. So I, I see more of a, um, an area where, you know, creators have a lot more control of their content on how it's being distributed and, and bonus, if you're selling it for any purpose, you know, you can continue to receive some sort of royalty off of it, just based yeah. off of the blockchain. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how will you integrate LT on, or I don't know, maybe, or what's your plan for LT on to succeed in web three? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a there's two different paths that we're taking. One I've already mentioned is our publisher. You know, that's a yes. really powerful tool. So if you're storing your content, let's say you're on an airplane and you just have access to very, you know, low speed internet or you're yes. at a hotel or, or something or a yes. coffee shop to go in and download something and then have to re-upload it to a platform of some sort or in an NFT space, you know, you might have a limitation on the file size that you're able to upload. You know, we're handling all of these areas where it's automatically done within our platform. Again, you know, yeah. you click up, you click a button, you type in a little bit of your meta tag or your description, you upload your thumbnail, you hit publish, you know, it's going out to Ethereum or Polygon. We're also looking at Flow just based on its nature of being more environmentally sustainable. Well, absolutely. Look at Flow. I talk with lots of NFT marketplace founders and people. And, you know, even the NBA's platform is built on Flow. The Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely, yeah, that is definitely up and coming. I would highly advise you to look at that. Yeah, and, and we're doing that specifically for a music publisher that we've been talking to in the space that, or, or I'm sorry, that wants to get into the space. And, and you know, that's that's first and foremost really where we're looking at solving a massive challenge that a lot of people have, especially if you're a music artist, you might not know where's a trusted site to go to, or yes. what's an easy path to be able to go and publish my work onto, you know, a decentralized network of some sort. We're, we're really, we're really looking at IPFS in terms of being able to leverage the high fidelity content. 
So taking it away from the limitations of the file size for the NFTs and being able to have high quality video or audio or imagery all being published through our platform. That's something that we're really taking into consideration as a somewhat of a purist myself. When it comes to visual images, you know, I, I always like the most crisp image possible or, or video that I'm looking at. I'm, I'm the guy that always tries to upgrade to the latest TV just because I want to see, you know, the pixels and, and how clear something can look. And, you know, when it, when it comes to some other areas of Web3 that we're looking at, smart contracts have always been in our vocabulary of day one of building Altion. So there's always this work that happens between a contractor and you know, the person that they're working for. And a lot of times in the production industry, you know, it's based off of either a handshake or an email that says, Hey, I hired you to do this work and that's it. There's no real contract there. So we're trying to help independent creators really have more rights and more ability to really fight for the money that they're owed at certain times, because I'm, I'm also a product of, you know, I've worked with some really great companies, but they said, Hey, you know, we just had an email from you. We didn't have anything signed or any kind of contract that says we approved something. I, I, I never had an issue with it because I had really great relationships with companies, but that does happen. And, and it does happen to freelancers a lot where they'll get burned by um, yeah. a client that they did work for that quite frankly, just says, Hey, I never approved this. I don't know what you're talking about. So it's, we're really trying to leverage smart contracts in that regard and, and be able to give, um, a lot more to the creators or, or independent studios that are working on our platform. Will you build a marketplace for people to facilitate these sort of transactions and these sort of things? Yeah. Not only are we looking at building a marketplace, but we're really looking at factoring invoices. So, you know, one of the, one of the biggest areas of the industry too, is, you know, this, this concept of net 60, net 90, there's even studios that are out there right now that are, that are paying net 120. So as an independent artist or creator to wait three or four months to get paid on something that, you know, work that you did, that's just not, that's not sustainable for anyone. So we're looking at a mechanism within our own company that we would help these creators or small businesses get paid immediately. So yeah. given the fact that people would be storing all of their content within Altion, we would have that proof record of the fact that there was that transaction approval process being made. And then when it comes down to the submission of an invoice, we know that that's directly tied into the work that they did because we have all of that work, right? There's yeah. that provenance or there's that, there's that ledger of all of the different submissions that they've made throughout the course of a project. And so at that point, we know that we can properly verify the fact that yes, this, these two transactions did happen and that we would be able to ultimately fund that, that work that's done and help that creator out, get paid right away. Well, that's fantastic. That's really, really good to hear. Like th this, this is real utility. This is what I find really exciting. My next question, it, it, it goes to, a, it goes to sustainability, right? I, I think the biggest, the biggest part there is the fact that there are a lot of quote unquote web three companies that are spinning out right now, left and right. There's probably three that started in the course of this discussion. Absolutely. And, and at three is the, the key, key number there. Are they going to be around? You know, that's the, that's the, that's the big question. And, you know, I don't, I most, don't not. This. most are not 95% of the NFT projects you see are not going to be around 95% of the 
of the altcoins or shitcoins that some people call them you see on the on the coin marketplace they are not going to be around or coinmarketcap.com they're not going to be around there's like I, because i was involved in this space in 2016 uh, 2017 18 all that i've built um some really small mvps and stuff just for fun as side projects and even at that time i saw it's like there were 10000 different altcoins in 2017 but once the 2018 crypto winter came most of them disappeared all those same thing with icos most icos that happen they are nowhere to be found from the 2017 18 period so same thing is going to happen now there's going to be a major call at some stage and or slowly they just the steam loses interest it's everyone's gone there's nothing there and the same thing's going to happen with the nfts most nfts are going to go to zero 95% the few that have built a very strong thriving community they are continuously organizing new events continuously doing new things they will have an ongoing thing just like Bode yacht club is like is probably worth a 5 billion dollar brand one of the fastest in in, in our history but they have a good sort of relationship with lots and lots of other mainstream brands that they want to tie up and and every celebrity is sort of bought. So you pretty much become a part of that community. Yeah, they were all in. So all in, right? They're all in. And and, you know, that's where I stand with Altion is it's like, I'm all in. This is my, this is my full-time job day in, day out, you know. uh, 100%, you you say it. And and there's a lot of startup founders that I've either consulted with or you know, I, I meet through various groups and you listen to them and they're like, oh, but I've got these three or four other things going on on the side and I've got a day job for this company. And it's like, look, you know, I think until you really fully can immerse yourself a hundred percent in on that one problem or, you know, whatever that, that thing is that you're trying to do, I think it's going to be really rare for, for you to even try and make any success out of this product that you're, you're doing. Oh, you said it. You said it 100%. But I still have some sympathy or empathy for a lot of them because they have to still, they might have mortgage. They might have need in US. I mean, this is a US specific thing. That is, they might need health insurance. They they might have some logistics yeah. things that they cannot leave there. They might have a family. They might have kids who will pay the school, kids school fees and stuff, you know. So they might have other real life things that stops them from doing and just doing and focusing on just that same no, thing. Board it, Yacht Club, thing. they they left everything. They put yeah. a bed. They mixed out their credit cards. They left all their they bet all their life savings on it. And if if it hadn't worked, which ninety five percent of the NFT projects don't go anywhere, if it ended up being like that, they would have lost everything and they would be in trouble. And, and that is the scary statistics about US. And I'm sure the rest of the world is not far behind from that. Eighty percent of of Americans are just have six months if at the most and so they're just one bad day away from one health thing or one sort of a thing of completely going bankrupt so so yeah it it is it is it's not it's not an easy solution to that but it is what it is yeah and it's not to say that it can't get done right we've seen so many innovations over time that have truly succeeded because you know somebody built something in a basement you know at nights but it's it's that dedication and that heart and soul that they put into the business that ultimately made it a true product and you know it is very unfortunate it is very unfortunate that you know there are a lot of people out there that won't succeed but again building a sustainable product is is of the utmost importance when you're going into anything like that and not just trying to focus on one little thing that uh, you think you're going to get get rich quick on oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and and on the same side with web3 it has opened new sort of venues for funding 
compared to past. So in the past, you had to go through angels or VCs. And then now there is a, a lot more sort of crowdfunded type options, whether it is through DAOs or through DeFi or like various other sort of ways that you can raise funding or creating your own token and rewarding your users. And that allows a lot of people to go full time and, and do this. And, and that's why there, are, there is such a huge sort of, you can call it like sort of a massive inflation of the number of new companies being born. Like as, as you were saying, that by the time we finish this, there'll be like five, maybe five, 10 more new Web3 startups by the end of it. But yeah, continuing on this um, topic on like earlier on, you were talking about innovation and you were helping companies innovate when they're stuck. How should Web2 companies think about when they are stuck? How should they move? What should they do? How should they well, innovate? There's two different topics of, of conversation in, in, in that statement that you made. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the first part about it, where it's crowdsourcing funding. Right. I, I, you know, that concept has been around since the beginning of time. You know, it's, hey, you know, somebody needs to go do something in their village and they can, you know, Go to their their friends and their their neighbors and say, "Hey, I need a uh, you know a couple dollars for this thing that I'm trying to do. Can you give it to me and help me and and build this up?" And you know, sometimes it was just because they liked that person and it was you know it was just as a friendly gift, if you will. Yes. And you know, so I think that with the internet, we're seeing that happen more rapidly. You know, you're seeing projects get funded within weeks of time because. There's a portal for it. There's a community, as we've discussed, you know, it's having that trusted platform for somebody to come out and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to go door to door and try and ask all of the people in my neighborhood for a couple dollars here. I can now go to literally the entire world with one click of a button and say, hey, can somebody help me fund this project? And, you know, with all the billions of people that are out there that have access to technology and the internet that might be, you know, in the know of this community or of this problem. You can, you can raise a lot of money very quickly. So again, when it comes to that, I think that there's a lot of really great mechanisms in terms of, of receiving funding for companies. And again, you know, we're talking about the different DAOs that are existing out there. You know, when it comes to innovators innovating, right? Again, it's, it's the, the age old issue as well. I think that I, I always used to, to joke with startup founders that it's like, like a triathlon. Right. So when you're creating a company, it's like a triathlon. And, you know, so there's the swimming portion where you're going to get just completely, you know, beat up and kicked and punched and almost drown in the water. And, you know, when, when you finally make it to land and you start a, you know, hundred mile bike race, yeah. that's where, that's where, you know, most companies hope to even get to that point. Right. Yeah. And if you've gotten to that point, you've done something really well. And, you know, even for my company right now, we've, we've been around for a couple of years. We launched our product about six months ago in beta and we've been, we've been trying to acquire users over the last month to really come onto the platform and see the, the yeah. value that it can add to their uh, workflow. And I still feel like we're warming up for the swimming portion. We have, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And then it's <laughs> yeah. like, and, and you look at how much money I've put into the company and my, my co-founder and, you know, the people that work for us day in, day out that, you know, yes. really are dedicated to our efforts and they're in, we have such an incredible team, but again, I, I still talk to them and I'm like, we haven't even started the swimming portion yet. We haven't even gotten kicked and punched yet in the water. And, and, you know, I think that that part, that part is happening or it's about to happen because we are getting out into the marketplace. Um, but it, but it truly is, you know, for, for most companies, a, a big struggle, even if you have a great product and to innovate during that time period yes. is 
really difficult because you're yeah. just trying to keep yourself afloat. I think it's, it's going into this with a open mindset and also having a dedicated mindset on what it is that you're trying to do. What is your mission? What is your goal? And I think that if you always strive to reach that goal, it can change a little bit here and there. But if you're always striving towards that goal, I think that, you know, that's going to help you have a clear mindset to then think up new ideas for your company. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you, you said it. Can I ask you a tough question? Like, I'm sure you have seen what's happening with, with Facebook and how Facebook lost hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap in the last two days. I haven't seen that. I haven't checked the markets today, what's happened there. But part of that reason is Facebook owns Instagram. And Instagram is all about that curated image about the, you know, that perfect self, the the be most beautiful scenic sunset and whereas, you know, and the, and the bling and the glamour and everything. That's sort of my view of Instagram. The, the change I have seen is that that people are no longer caring for that. People want TikTok. People want raw. People want authentic. People want 240p. They don't even care about 720p anymore. The camera is shaking. And and it's like, if you look at the, the growth of TikTok and, and just like, because it is just normal everyday people on it. It is not the most beautiful looking house. It is there right, in their so kitchen and all that. And it's just like, how will, how will you cater to that with Alteon? Because I do see it, even from your website, it looks very polished. It looks like an amazing product. Can it help me if I want to build a following on TikTok and I want to make better TikToks? Can it help me? Well, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, and, and I, I think that, you know, but you have to look inwards first, right? Is it something that you feel is content that people will want to watch or want to listen to? Because yes. I've worked with filmmakers that had the best camera package ever, right? I mean, it was just every lens, every camera attachment that you could think of and, you know, all of the, all of the mechanisms. Yet I've seen people film something with their iPhone that looks so cinematic that it would blow that person out of the water, you know, but it's the content there is the content rich, right? Look, I, I think that there's, there's, there's one aspect of what you were talking about in terms of Facebook, right? They, they lost a huge market share in the last couple of days. If you're looking at anything in the markets and if you've looked at the news um, and you're not in a cave somewhere, but I, you know, it's happening more quickly every day. And I think that the markets will react in certain ways that are a lot quicker than it used to, because that news and information is at everyone's fingertips immediately. You know, we were seeing it's a been, lot of this happen. But Facebook has been happening for three or four years. It is just the numbers were insulated by the developing world because they were just still moving into Latin America and some parts of Asia and they were just tapping more and more untapped countries. Now the whole planet is saturated um, and it has been shrinking in the developed world for last three years. Absolutely, as Facebook has been shrinking. They were also insulated by Instagram, but then people don't want that curated image anymore. They don't, yeah. yeah they, but I, but I, also, I also argue though, is it also the generation that, was subscribing to that service, right? Have yes. they shifted a little bit? Because if we look at, at history, right, yes. there was MySpace. And so there was a big group of people that signed up for MySpace and then Facebook came out yes. and everyone sort of shifted over to Facebook, right? Yes. And then, you know, and then Facebook became hugely popular amongst yep. sort of my demographic because this was the new platform that was out. Yes. And a lot of people, a lot of my peers stuck with Facebook over the years when another generation started on Instagram, you yeah. know, and then it's, then that generation, I feel like they all have jobs now, 
they are, you know, they're sort of more in the reality of things. And they're like, wait a second, all of this fun stuff that I was looking at in college, it just isn't that relevant to me anymore. Right. Yeah. But then, then you had Snapchat, right? Think about Snapchat. Yes. They were huge. You know, they heard there, are they even really out there anymore? And, you know, they are. we have TikTok. No, no, Snapchat. Now it's stock. Yeah. I know they're appreciated 60% yesterday. Yeah. 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 They are doing really well. Yeah. And I think that Facebook, you know, dropping out of their market share a little bit is certainly going to help Snapchat. But, but you're, you're sort of seeing this, this progression where it's always the next thing. But I also think it's generationally uh, aware, right? So think about the generation of people that are on TikTok right now. Um, they want a specific type of content that is curated for them. And it's, I think each one of the platforms allows you to see that type of content where if I go to Facebook, it's a lot of my friends, it's a lot of them posting pictures of their family or with their kids. And it's, you know, it's sort of more, more family-esque photos and things that are out there of sharing news. And then- Great that your friends are more. doing that because for me, my friends are mostly in New Zealand and US and, and they all stopped doing that three years ago on Facebook for some well, reason. To, People to be, used to- be fair, to, Yes. Be yeah, fair. I, I only go on to Facebook or Instagram for work these days. And if I do go on, it's for a split second here and there to like check yeah. statistics of something to make sure it's working or our <laughs> yeah. uh, content creation team is building- uh, proper content so that I can see it. So, you know, I, I think when it comes to Altion, you asked this question about how will it help you create better content? How will Absolutely. it help, help you build your user? I, I look at it at, in the front of if we're able to help you create content quicker and collaborate with people around the world, that's certainly an area where, you know, you're, you're going to be able to do this quicker, more efficiently. And you can potentially work with editors, one editor, but multiple editors and in different time zones, you know, I mean, right now. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an area where I think the internet really is opening up again, a a more global collaborative community where I need something done at five o'clock PM uh, on Friday in New York. It's going to be really hard for me to convince somebody to come into an office and come work for me for the day, right? Mm-hmm. But when you think about a crowdsourced model where I might have an editor in New Zealand, where you're at, where it's, you know, you're fresh, you're sort of starting your day, you're more likely to say yes to coming in to work for me because you know that it's something that you will make a really good amount of money on. You're already speaking the same language in the terms of the software that we're using, yes. right? You might already be on Altion for other projects. So if I just share a quick project link with you right now, it's, it's, you know, it's the language that you already speak and you're able to jump into it. You're able to get started. You're able to download proxy files. You don't even have to download the full resolution of content. That's you can download fantastic. proxy files because that gets transcoded automatically in the service, in the platform. And, you know, that's something that it, it helps you now go and create this work quicker. Or on the flip side, you know, it might be the end of your day and you want me to edit something for you or, you know, somebody in New York edit something for you and immediately, boom, it's available to them and they can check that project in on Altion and you can see the progress as it's being made. And again, that's sort of leveraging the world, right? Leveraging time zones, getting content done quicker, but also creating good quality content and storytelling. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Look, I can see, Matt, you're so passionate about your about um, Ultion and about your product. It's it's really great to see. My final question is that, do you have any ask or do you have an ask? Are you looking for anything? Team members, investment, customers, all users? <laughs> all of the things. All of the things. No, I think that it, it, it you hit on it multiple times. It's community, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't, it's not necessarily one specific ask. I think it's, let's just you know, let's continue to build the Altion ecosystem. We're trying to build a community, whether you're a developer developing software and code for us to help us innovate and build our product, whether you're a content creator using this new platform to collaborate with other people around the world, um, or if you're a VC investor and, and you really enjoy companies that have founders that have had you know, past success and really are truly passionate about what they do and also somewhat of a thought leader in the space, you know, we, we could be a potentially really great investment for them. So again, it, it takes a whole community though, in order for all of those things to really happen. And that's what we're really trying to build. Oh, that's fantastic. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, finding out more about Altion and how you guys intend to move in Web3 and all that. So thank you once again for tuning in and listening to this episode. I would love to connect with you. So reach out to me. Reach out to me. If you have any questions about Web3, I would love to answer them. And if I cannot, then I will find an expert who can. Finally, share this podcast with a friend who you think should know and learn more about Web3, who you think should get involved in the world of crypto, decentralized finance, metaverse, NFTs, and more. Thank you once again and have a fantastic day.